Hi, guys, and welcome to the Travel and Transformation Show with me, your host, Sophia, and my guest today, Sammy Berkowitz. Now, Sammy is an intuitive eating dietitian. She works with eating disorders, disordered eating, and chronic dieting. So, hi, Sammy, and thank you for being here today. I'm really glad that you're on this show. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you? And then I'm going to start asking questions. (laughs) This is is a really interesting subject to me, the fact that you are an intuitive eating dietitian. So when I hear the words intuitive and dietitian in the same sentence, it's like, like mind blown. (laughs) What is, you know, so I want to know what that means. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So I, as like you said, an intuitive eating dietitian. So I wasn't always kind of in the space that I work in now, which is, um, which I know we'll talk a little bit about later, um, a more weight inclusive approach, intuitive eating, non-diet focus of my work. But when I was in college, I definitely struggled with body image and kind of views around food, especially being in a nutrition program. And so, you know, in school, we're kind of taught that like these foods are good, these foods are bad, um, and kind of the effects of those foods. But the part that's kind of left out, which is what I focus on now, is our relationship with food uh, movement and our body, and how like, nutrients are important and an important part of you know, nutrition, but there's more to food than just those things. Okay. So can you describe to us then what intuitive eating is? Yeah. So intuitive eating was originally kind of, I don't want to say invented, but like the framework was written by um, Elise Reich and Evelyn Triboli. And it's a 10 principle program or not program, I guess, framework, because it's really not Um, you know, like if you follow these rules, this will be your outcome, Mm -hmm. but kind of a framework to guide you through, to reconnect with your body and it's intuitive cues. So we have, you know, feelings of hunger and fullness, but really breaking that down and through society and a lot of diets, we're taught to ignore those cues and to eat at X time because this is the best time to eat, or this is the amount of food you need to eat to be this weight. Um, but all those things are external factors that don't account for our internal cues that our body naturally gives us a great example. I like to kind of use with this, especially with my new clients is if you've ever been around a toddler when they're learning to eat, especially around that age two, when they're kind of able to communicate a little more, they're very intuitive of when they're hungry and when they're full, even if that doesn't really align with times of the day that, you know, you've set dinner to be at or lunch at or snack time um, and the amount you food you put in front of them, they're very intuitive to know like how much they can eat right now and when to stop. And even if that means eating sooner after say that meal, they're going to hold those boundaries pretty innately until they're kind of pushed to either eat more than they can or to eat less than they feel like they want to. And that's kind of what intuitive eating brings us back to is those really innate cues around what our body needs. So what do you do after like years of dieting and, you know, whatever you've learned previously, now you're not listening to your body at all. So Mm -hmm. how do you get back 
into that space of, I hear you, I know what you want, and I'm going to give it to you. Like, how, how do you get back there when everything may in your body may be off, like your hormones may be off, your intuition is off, like everything is just off. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you get back to that? Totally. And it can be really difficult because, you know, even when I started learning about intuitive eating and you think about it and you're like, well, that makes sense. Right. But then it's really hard to kind of put, and we call it like the food police in not listen to them when you're picking up a food and they're like, oh, well, that's so bad. Or you've had enough, even if you're still hungry. Mm -hmm. Um, And to really, usually the first step, like I work with clients on is just challenging that voice. And it doesn't mean that you won't ever follow that voice, especially at first, like it's very difficult, Mm -hmm. but to start by saying like, when you look at say a snack food, and you're, like, and you're at a party and you're like, oh, that's so bad. Like I'll only have one. And to challenge that and say, okay, well, what's going to happen if I eat more than one? Is anything bad really going to happen? And maybe you still feel anxious and only have a few chips at that party, right? But just starting to kind of challenge that narrative in our heads is definitely that first step when we've spent so long just basically, you know, either giving into that voice or just ignoring the innate cues. So if you're, if you go, if you're trying to go back to this intuitive form of eating, Mm -hmm. is this good for weight maintenance or weight loss? Because obviously there's a difference, right? Yeah. So through the work I do and most uh, dietitians that focus kind of on this intuitive eating space, part of it is not focusing on weight. So we're, we're focusing on, you know, healthy eating behaviors, healing our relationship with food, which all flourishes our health, but without really a focus on like, I want to be at this weight or, you know, this is going to make you stay at the same weight. Um, there's a, basically it's called set point theory that when we are honoring what our body needs and giving it the amount it needs without those external factors, most of the time, nothing's perfect. We're going to be at that weight that our body wants to be at. So, you know, there's a lot of things in our society that says, this is the weight that you have to be at based on your height. And anyone at this height, this is the weight you're at and you're healthy. And we just know that to be kind of false um, and not really a good descriptor of our health. So this framework kind of focuses more on improving nutrition, nutrient density, relationship with your food and your body, and not as much around weight loss or maintaining a weight. When I start working with a new client, I always do say, and sometimes this deters them because they're not ready to, you know, step into this type of work quite yet Mm -hmm. is I can't guarantee what's going to happen. I'm not going to tell you, you're going to lose weight doing this. You might, but I can't tell you that for sure. You might see the same, you may gain a couple of pounds. I, I can't tell you because your body is unique to you. And that's similar to why a lot of these other programs that promise weight loss are that false promise because everyone's body is different. And if they're guaranteeing you'll lose this amount of weight in this amount of time, they can't know that, like for sure. And and that does make sense. But it's also coming from coming from that world, it's also, I think, a difficult quote unquote, pill to swallow, right? <laughs> you know, if yeah. you're saying, 
oh, I just have to listen and yep. and do what's right. And then, but then, so again, coming from the other side mm-hmm. and you're saying, well, we need to have a good relationship with food. What does that even mean? Because, yeah. you know, we're talking about, we have relationships with ourselves, We have relationships with others. We talk about having a good, healthy relationship, you know, like with a significant other. Right. And so you can wrap your head around that. But how do you have a good relationship with food? Yeah, it kind of is something that's kind of, it sounds like abstract almost and kind of hard to understand. But the way I kind of view it is, you know, a lot of times in society, we put a lot of morality around food, good, bad, or like you're better for eating this way, or you're not as good for eating this way. And that has a lot of effect on, I guess, relationship with food is kind of like our views around food. So like the goal is to kind of view all foods in a very neutral way and they have different purposes. So instead of viewing like salad as good and say brownies as bad, they just have different purposes and we can enjoy both within a healthy, you know, day-to-day diet. And I use the word diet more as just like foods we eat, not like in a restrictive manner, but like those have different purposes. There are foods that are more nutrient dense and those serve us to give us nutrients, fiber, you know, all the things we've kind of learned in school that are like good for us. And then there's other foods like brownies. And so, yeah, maybe those aren't the most nutrient dense, but do they taste good? Do they bring us joy? Like those things are okay, especially when you're in a social setting, like it's okay to eat for another reason other than to just like fuel your body and a good relationship with food will foster that without that feeling of shame and guilt for either, you know, choosing a salad because that's what you want. It's in that moment, like it's crunchy, it's fresh, it's summertime, it's hot. Like you want something lighter, but you can also, if you wanted the brownie or ice cream and you chose that as a snack, like that's okay too without that, those overwhelming feelings of guilt and shame and kind of the spiral anxiety, like what is going to happen to my body because I made this one food choice. Right. And you keep bringing up guilt and shame. And I think that is one of the things that, especially with women, and I know Mm -hmm. men probably suffer with it too, but they're not the audience really. (laughs) (laughs) So, but you know, with women, you get shamed around eating certain foods. You get shamed around looking a certain way, yep. you know? So I think a lot of times we end up internalizing that shame, yep. you know, because if some, if you're going, because you're intuitively eating and you're like, I'm going to have that brownie. And then somebody comes up to you and is like, do you really think you should be having that brownie? Right. Not like it's their business, but, right. you know, they probably think that they're helping you by saying mm-hmm. that. But then all that does is create shame around the fact that you wanted the brownie and guilt around how much ever of the brownie that you've eaten or the fact that you've even picked it up in the first place. So I think when you're dealing with external factors and you have to start changing your internal way of thinking, it can be, I I would think that would be really kind of (laughs) difficult. Definitely. And that's why, you know, I always recommend either working with a dietitian and or a therapist because it is a lot of like internal 
reflection and work that's you know it's not easy like it's going against like what we've been taught our entire lives from society and the media and like that's why people feel like it's okay to comment on what you're eating right because like you said like it's well-intentioned but it's not it's it doesn't land as well as they think like it might and even though I feel like we all have that same feeling sometimes it's still like it doesn't stop us or like people from making the comments even when they perceive them and they're like oh that didn't feel good um for some reason but it is difficult and that's something a lot of times like some of my clients I've been working with for a longer period of time and so they're like a little more comfortable with their relationship with food and like making their food choices that they know serves them and kind of trying to block out like the comments from others sometimes we still have to talk through like okay like Thanksgiving is coming up which is focused around food and lots of people that maybe you don't see all the time that that tends to be a really easy opportunity for people to like kind of look at each other's plates and make comments and like, Oh, you're going back for more potatoes. Like, Oh, like, you know, things like that. (laughs) Right. Like we all have someone at our dinner table at a big family event that, you know, is like a little opinionated and probably going to say something like that. Right. (laughs) And so just kind of prepping for that and being like, you know, it's coming. You can't control them and stop those comments, unfortunately. But we can kind of prep to be like, okay, that's coming. And like, but I know like I'm eating what I need. And even if I'm eating a little more today than most days, there's just, you know, more food available, things we don't always get to have. It's going to be okay. And one meal is not going to make or break my health or, you know, my journey, like just kind of trying to release some of that, like the ideals around like this one food or this one meal is going to be like the end all be all of like, whether I'm moving forward or moving like back metaphorically, like on that, like journey that you've, you know, set around whatever your goals are. So does this, is this easy to follow as well? Like, let's say somebody decided because there's so many ways of eating, right? Totally. So if somebody's thought, okay, well, I will do low calorie or I'll do low fat or I'll do right. keto or mm-hmm. I'll do, I don't know, whatever else is out there. Cause there's like yeah. so, so many. many. <laughs> <laughs> so Because the thing is, what I find is a lot of the different things, if you're not used to eating that way, they're just not sustainable. Right. Right. Because there's going to be something that comes up if you're not eating any sugar. And then, you know, you're used to not eating any sugar, but you're doing that. And six months in, you have, you know, something with sugar in it. And then all of a sudden it's like, is is there's a backslide or... You know, yeah. because your body's not used to it. Now your insulin spiking and all kinds of things are happening. So some of the ways of eating don't seem to me to be completely mm-hmm. sustainable. Although there are people who have made a choice and make mm-hmm. them sustainable. So I guess in saying that, that is their relationship with food. And then they've created a different relationship with food based on an eating pattern that they enjoy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like, Yeah, I know what you're saying. I mean, I think, yes, I definitely think a lot of those tend to be unsustainable. And the reason we see that a lot of the time is, you know, when you're cooking at home and doing your own things, like you can very easily control like, okay, I'm not going to eat. Like, let's just use low carb for an example. 
like I'm only going to eat, you know, cauliflower rice instead of, you know, regular rice and things like that. But then we go into outside situations like going out to dinner with friends, going to a birthday party. Then all of a sudden it's very difficult to stick to that. And because we've put in place like this all or nothing mentality, like I have to say under this many grams of carbs or whatever that rule is per day, mm-hmm. as soon as you've broken it, you're not all all in. Like as I I tend to say anymore. So we have this like complete shift of like, okay, well now I'm just going to like go off the rails and I'll restart tomorrow. We're right. like, when we have less of these external rules around food, maybe you choose to eat cauliflower rice at home because that's what you enjoy and you like it better and you find it satisfies you. And that's totally fine, right? There's nothing inherently wrong with like eating a certain way. But when we're so rigid around, say, those rules that come with some of those diets, it puts us in situations where, like, that is the all in. And then mm-hmm. if we break those rules, we're at the, like, nothing. Like, okay, well, now I'm just, you know, three grams over. Like, we got to start over. Like, it's too, like, I've basically fallen off the wagon, even if in a sense, like, it's okay to eat a little differently day to day. Like, our body can handle it. It's a very complex machine if you will like (laughs) it can do it you know and then you've also mentioned that you work with eating disorders and disordered eating Mm -hmm. what's the difference because they sound the same totally and they kind of are similar I think so eating disorders are have like clinical guidelines and are in the DSM-5 um so they can be diagnosed by a doctor or um like a therapist But I think it can be very gray, but eating disorders have these criteria that, you know, you can meet and have this, but the problem with it is not everyone fits in the box. Mm. And so you can have like a lot of anxiety and stress around food or exercise or your body. And maybe you don't fit into this box that has kind of been said like, well, this is anorexia and this is bulimia and this is this. And so sometimes people just have, you know, a few behaviors from one of those things. And so they don't meet the criteria, but it doesn't mean that they're like not struggling with this relationship with food or not having a lot of anxiety and stress around food or their body in those types of ways. So when you're working with people who have disordered eating or eating disorders, Mm -hmm. are you working in conjunction like with a therapist? Because a lot of the Well, and I guess it's a double-edged sword because a lot of therapists aren't really, I wouldn't say qualified, but don't know enough about eating disorders, but they know about disordered thinking and Mm -hmm. beliefs. And then you know about disordered eating because that's that's kind of where you live. So do you work in conjunction with or suggest that when you have clients that they also have a therapist so that they can be working on the mental emotional side of the disorder while you give them cues and tips on the nutritional side? Yeah. So not all of my clients do, but honestly, a lot of them are either already working with a therapist when they come to me or, you know, are open to that idea. Um, it's not like essential, like you can't do the work if you don't have it. Is it definitely beneficial for sure? Right. Like 
there are things that they can help you with that are out of my scope of practice and expertise. Um, so we do do a lot of like talk counseling, like when I work with clients, but yes, a lot of my clients do see a therapist like outside of their work with me. And then we can communicate, um, with their permission, like to kind of cater our sessions so that, you know, they're in line. And also like, it gives good perspective to work with other providers, like to have both providers in your care to Mm -hmm. kind of communicate on the outside to make sure you're getting like, you know, it's just beneficial. Like there's two hour sessions that can now kind of be combined and yes, they're focused in a different way, but it's definitely helps through the journey for sure. Yeah, I would think so because having, having your, having both people on the same page when mm-hmm. it comes to you and what you, so if you know what um, they're working on in a therapy session and then the therapist knows what they're working on in their diet session, then mm-hmm. I think between the two of you, you could like put like a really great action plan together for your mm-hmm. client so totally. that they could, um, well, help them succeed. Is what yeah. I mean. Mm-hmm. So now if somebody comes to you as a chronic dieter, so like they, you know, they're that person that's like, I've tried every single diet, which they probably haven't, but it feels like it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but they're always dieting. So they're always watching food or they're always thinking about food. Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh my, what's my next meal going to be? You know, I got a meal prep for the whole week or, you know, it's always foods on your mind. And when you think about what they tell you in the law of attraction is like where you put your attention, that's, you know, you get more of that. Mm -hmm. So if you're always focused on food, then it seems like you're always looking at your next meal or you're always thinking about eating. So Mm -hmm. if you're a chronic dieter, what what would you tell a person, I guess, who's a chronic dieter and how would you help them? Yeah. So this is, is very common. I feel like, you know, a lot of people are like, well, that diet didn't work for me. So I'm just going to try this other one. But we find, right. Like you kind of feel the same at the beginning, it's going really well and you're feeling really great. And then you have that moment where you feel like you've fallen off the wagon and we give up and it just kind of like goes over and over again. Like maybe this one will be better. So usually when clients come to me, they've, you know, done the cycle a bunch, kind of like you mentioned. And even if they haven't tried every diet, it feels that way to them. And they probably tried a lot. But something I find people are really scared about, which is totally understandable, especially when they feel like they're overeating or they're using a diet to kind of help with portion control or restrict their eating a little bit, is that those rules feel really safe um, to be like, okay, like I can only eat at these times or these foods, right? Whatever those rules are. And to think about like, releasing those rules and working towards like trusting your body's cues feels very scary. And those feelings are real and normal and you're totally valid for feeling those. And those strict rules are the reason it kind of feels like this cycle because there's no flexibility in those rules that these diets give us. And so I guess the one thing I would just say to them is that you're scared and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And if you want these feelings to kind of de-stress and release, we're going to have to take a jump towards loosening those rules, even if that feels counterintuitive. 
So do you think that's probably the best way to empower women to have a better relationship with food is to basically tell them, loosen up on the rules, even though the rules feel safe? It's definitely a hard thing to grapple with. And maybe it doesn't feel empowering in the moment when you think about it. But to think about like loosening those rules isn't just about like being more like relaxed. It's not like, oh, you're being too rigid right now. But think about being able to go to get ice cream like you're with your partner and you are on a Sunday and you're walking and you pass an ice cream shop and you're like, oh my God, I've been wanting to try this place. And you can go, that wasn't planned. You didn't count your calories for that. You're able to go enjoy ice cream with your partner and not feel any guilt or not feel like you're worried about falling off the bandwagon and you can enjoy those. And then like whatever you had planned for dinner, you can still eat that. And if you're feeling more full from ice cream, like you can adjust that, but it's not inherently like, oh no, I had this, this wasn't planned. Like, I think what felt most empowering for me for when like I was going through these types of thoughts was like being able to go out to eat and one order, whatever I want. Or like, if I wanted a beverage that had calories in it, like not feeling bad about enjoying it and just being able to live your life and rediscover these joys of food that are beyond like just the nutrients that are in them or just the view around them, like their purpose. So, okay. So based on your last comment, I'm going to make an assumption that you've also had, um, struggling with your eating and with weight issues and stuff like that. And then being in the profession that you're in, how did that affect you? And then how did you work through it? Yeah. So I would say that a lot of it came from like the education I received in my undergraduate degree. It really kind of fostered disorder eating patterns. If you talk to most dietitians, most of them will tell you they've struggled with their relationship with food or dieting or anything along those lines in the past, unfortunately, because the way it's presented is very like, if you eat this many calories, then this will happen. And if you take this many away, then this will happen. And, you know, we know that not to really be true now, but it really fosters this idea of like, well, I'm a dietitian, so I have to look a certain way Mm. and eat a certain way because this is my job. And it kind of was presented like, well, your job is to tell people to eat the right way, which I don't really, you know, align with anymore. But in the moment, right, it felt a lot of pressure to have to do these things. I mean, I've had uh, like coworkers who are in larger bodies and people may come and say, like, oh, well, you don't look like a dietitian. Like, well, right. what does a dietitian look like? Right. Like, what does that mean? You know, but I definitely you know, through college and then with kind of exercise, putting some like probably excessive exercise on top of that, it definitely wasn't a good situation. I did come out of that. um, I think just after being so tired for being so rigid around my rules around food and I went to culinary school as well. So I really like to cook. I like doing all those things and it kind of was limiting my ability to do that as well. Um, But it took a long time, even when I wasn't like calorie counting anymore or doing those really like restrictive behaviors, I still had those subconscious thoughts around food and like them being good or bad or like 
oh, well, if I had ice cream, then I have to compensate. Like, even though it wasn't as like formal dieting as we kind of are familiar with. And, you know, sometimes those thoughts still do come up today. I tell clients all the time, they don't really ever go away. We just can manage them better and they happen less often. Mm-hmm. But I think it really helps me connect with my clients because, you know, it's some of these things are definitely easier said than done. Like it's easy to be like, well, just relax around food. Like it's going to be fine. Like, yes, it's easier to say that <laughs> than to actually put that in practice. Like I do want to acknowledge that because sometimes when it's like we answer these questions and it's like, well, like this is why. And that is why, but it is definitely harder to do that. That doesn't happen in one session. Like I tell a client, like, this is what's going on. They're like, oh, okay. And it, you know, never happens again. Right. Um, but it definitely, I think, helps me help them through the situation because I've been in that situation where I don't really feel like I'm being restrictive, but I am still letting those thoughts like decide what I'm eating or change, you know, what I want to eat versus like what I feel like I should be eating and just kind of those thoughts that swirl around because I've sat with them myself and like, no, not everything that they bring to me. I'm like, oh yeah, I experienced that too. But it helps me work with them because I can really empathize and say like, I have been there and this is what helped me or other clients. And like, it's hard to imagine that there's something on the other side of when this isn't going to be happening, but it's possible. And like, I try and like sit with them in session and be like, okay, like, and acknowledge their progress they've made because I think another thing about this process is it's very hard to notice our own change especially when it's not physical like there's no picture you can compare it to to be like oh like this but when they mention something like oh how did last week go and we talk about it and I'm like okay I just want to like take a second to acknowledge like this is where you are and this is where we started and even though maybe this isn't where you want to be like in the end like we've made a lot of progress and like, let's take a moment to celebrate that because every small step is really a big moment for you in session. And I think the one thing you just said is important because a lot of times we make changes, right? And they are micro changes. So we might not notice them. So it's good to have it reflected back that you're making progress. But then if you do notice your progress, because I even, I catch myself with the all or nothing thinking, it's like, you haven't done blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, like, hold up. You know, it's like, roll it back. (laughs) Let's see. Yes, I did do. And I did this and I did that. And I have to remember, right? That it isn't all or never. You know, you yeah. never do. And so it's like, yeah, the little, the, the voice in the head is like, okay, you mm-hmm. need to just rewind or shut up. Cause. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I did do stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then, but the thing is, yes, to celebrate those things, because I think if you bring more celebration and joy into whatever it is you're working on and acknowledge yourself when you're actually doing a thing, whatever the thing mm-hmm. is, then it's easier to keep doing the thing because now you're positively rewarding yourself, just like if you were training your puppy, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's like you have to give yourself a treat, but 
<laughs> but if you like celebrate, that kind of is the treat. So then right. you're reinforcing the good behavior and mm -hmm. reinforcing the positive changes. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, even with like, I struggle with anxiety myself. So like, I definitely fall into that all or nothing thinking like outside of food as well sometimes. But sometimes it's like, okay, well, like, maybe you didn't check everything off the list today. But like, you did three things like you didn't just not do anything. And also, if you didn't do anything, like, is rest okay? Like, you know, I feel like we're in a lot of hustle culture and like personal and professional lights in life. And that just kind of like, fosters that all or nothing thinking which can be very difficult which I think is part of like stepping away from dieting being difficult because it's like part of our society that like oh if you're on a diet or you're doing this like you're doing good um kind of that all or nothing like you're either doing it or you're not doing it and it's, right. it's, it's just a difficult place to be in but trying to kind of take a step back and just like acknowledge the progress you've made is definitely helpful because it's easy to get lost in the what's next or the next thing I can do without like being like, well, where do we start and where are we now? You know? Right. Right. So now a lot of women struggle with body image, right? Mm -hmm. So I can look at somebody and it's like, oh my God, you look so good. And then they're like, no, but I don't feel comfortable in my skin. And I don't feel comfortable in my body. And I'm looking at them and I was like, I don't see a problem here. But it's your issue, right? <laughs> or you can see somebody else who you might think would have, you know, body image issues. And they're like, I am so comfortable in my skin right now. And I don't really care what anybody thinks. So yeah. how do you... Or do you, is that within your scope of practice to deal with body image issues? Yeah, I do body image issues with my clients. This is something where a therapist can be helpful in this process, um, because even if they're not like specialized in body image, it's just that like kind of dysphoric thinking like around like how you see yourself um, type of stuff. But I definitely do work with clients in this area, especially like when we talk about like their desire for weight loss and what's like the real motivators behind that, mm -hmm. because body image, like you said, is so complex. And just like, you can't look at someone and say, oh, they're healthy or they're not healthy is the same about like, oh, like they're comfortable in their skin or not, unless they like physically look uncomfortable or, you know, comfortable. But I think that's why like weight loss programs tend to be a false promise because we push like, when you get to this weight, I'll be happy. When I get to this clothing size, I'll be happier. But when we don't do that inner work to accept ourselves, how we are, we get to that weight and it's still not enough because we still see ourselves as how we were or what we're not. Um, and so it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter what the number on the scale is or the clothing size that we are in because we haven't worked on that like inner mental work to, you know, actually be happy with ourselves when we're at whatever our goal weight or size is. So, okay. So just for, and I don't know if you can, but if you can, are yeah. there like a couple tips that you can give for, because I know I and I'm not trying to sugarcoat this or make it seem like it's not a deep issue because this is a very yeah. deep issue. 
But are there a couple tips maybe that you can give someone who's struggling with their body image? Because yeah, you hear so much, oh, just love yourself more. And it's like, right. how the fuck do you do that? I mean, yeah. if you're in that, <laughs> if yes. you're in that space in your head, yeah. you know, it's like, and especially if you've, you're coming from all or nothing and you dig rules, right? right. So it's like, can yeah. I have a one, two, three, four, five step process to loving myself? Right. Can I right. have, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> So I can follow it and get there or, you know, so, but back to the body image, are there some tips that you can give someone to help them accept their body more so that they can change their body image and, and be more um, attuned with it and happy with it? Yeah. The first thing I think has a really big impact is if you're weighing yourself on a scale very frequently smash it, get rid of it. Um, (laughs) because that is one step that like a lot of it is that mental work. Right. But when we take away that, knowing that number and how it's slightly changed. And even if rationally, we know, like we have water weight that changes and you know, you're never the same exactly every single day. It's really hard to rationalize that when you step on the scale. So to just kind of remove that one measurement in our life, because it doesn't really tell us anything other than the gravity we are holding on the planet and the number that shows up. So that would be my first suggestion and something that may feel difficult, but may be an easier first step than really like diving into the complex, like thought processes that go into kind of healing our relationship with our body. Um, The second would be just buying some clothes that actually fit your body. So if you're wearing clothes that are smaller and don't want to buy bigger clothes because that feels like, you know, you're doing something wrong or, you know, those clothing size have something bad associated with them. I would start with, even if it's just one shirt or a pair of underwear, like, and to go feel how like clothing that fits our body, which is what it's meant to do. Our body's not supposed to like shift to fit the clothes. The clothes should fit our body. And to just buy one shirt that actually fits us and be like, okay, is this more, just more comfortable, right? Like it's not like digging into my side or, you know, it's not too tight around my chest. Like we feel more confident when we even just feel a little more comfortable in the clothes we're wearing. And then I'd say number three would be just like, put a sticky note up on your mirror. Like if you have mirrors in your house and have it have like a positive or neutral, it doesn't even have to be positive because sometimes that feels too big of a step for people, something neutral about our body. So like an example could be like, I woke up today and now I can walk to wherever or like my feet like don't hurt today if you have like foot pain like things that don't have to be so much about like oh like I look fat or I you know don't look good in my clothes just something like neutral even if it's something like you know like I'm unhappy in my body right now and that's okay like to acknowledge those kind of like those feelings are real. And just because we don't enjoy them doesn't mean that like sitting with them isn't beneficial sometimes. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes I feel like we feel 
it can be really like, oh, I feel so bad in my body. And like, why do I feel like that? And it's like that like spiral and like, oh, I'm never going to feel differently than that. But it's like, I don't feel good. Even if you do have a good relationship with your body and you feel confident in your body, you're going to have days that you maybe just don't feel your best a hundred percent, right? That's normal. And to kind of not let that be like, oh, I don't feel good in my body today. So now like X, Y, Z, blah, blah. Like I don't feel as good in my body today. And that's okay. Like tomorrow's a new day or to, you know, later today, maybe I'll feel differently. Like it doesn't always have to be like, kind of like what you were saying, like super like positive and like, oh, well just like stop worrying about it. And like, it's all going to go away. Like, you know, (laughs) sometimes that's not helpful to us. And even though like it feels helpful to say, but sometimes, but like, the person receiving it is like, well, yeah, if I could just do that, I would, right? Like, it's like with like food, it's like, well, yeah, if I could just eat ice cream without guilt, then like, yeah, that'd be great. Thanks. Like, I'll just eat more. Like, thanks. Like, you know, yeah, it's not always like helpful commentary, even when it's within our like own thoughts. Sometimes just sitting with those like tougher thoughts is more beneficial than trying to like push the toxic positivity like towards them. So on tip number two, you said buy clothes that fit, Mm -hmm. right? So even if you have to go up a size because Mm -hmm. the clothes fit, but the same thing would work if you have to go down sizes too. Yeah. Because that, I would think that would help you see yourself differently because I know with me, there've been times when I have lost weight, but I don't see it. I just see the same me all the time. Yeah. Right. And so buying clothes that actually do fit, it's like, oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. I see something different now. I, you know, so it helps feel different. And yeah. I mean, because I've done it, I've done it both ways. Because I have, Mm -hmm. you know, a ton of clothes and then have to give away a ton of clothes. (laughs) Because, you know, you have to, well, you have to go through and it's like, well, what have I worn? What haven't I worn? And yep. can I give myself permission to buy something else? Right. <laughs> Definitely. You know? But yeah, I think it, it it probably does work both ways that if you have to size up, don't be afraid to size up and look good and feel good, mm-hmm. you know, so that you're not wearing a shirt and the shirt's silently screaming, save me. Because the buttons are about to pop Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you know you buy one and then all of a sudden it's like wow it looks so much better okay and then and I and I do think clothes do make a difference because when you look better you feel better at least okay let me speak for myself when I look better I feel better you know so if I can look at myself in the mirror and go damn that looks really good on you (laughs) then I walk out and I feel way better and then my energy's up, my vibration's mm-hmm. up, everything's yeah. up. And then if I put something on that I thought was going to look great and then it doesn't, if I choose to wear it anyway, then I don't feel as good. Yeah. You know, so I mean, that's and it just... goes both ways, like with the sizes, like you were saying, like, you know, whether you're afraid to size up because that means something to you or you don't want to size down because what if you gain that weight back, right? That fear. Yeah. It kind of goes both ways. And I think like the same pair of, let's say just shorts, like we know, like, even if 
like, you know, some styles or cuts, you know, you don't feel good in, but sometimes the size really makes the difference of it just fitting you better, whether that's smaller or bigger. Right. So I think just really leaning into that, whichever way on the spectrum that kind of is for you can really be helpful. And I think something else that's helpful is understanding that different manufacturers put the same size on stuff, but the sizing is not the same. Yes. You know, so (laughs) I think that's something that as women, we really need to recognize that because in, in one manufacturer size 10, 11, 12, 14, whatever, Mm -hmm. is not necessarily going to be exactly the same size as a different manufacturer with those same numbers on there. Yeah. And then even a cut, because we all have different body types. Yeah. So a certain cut is going to look good on in a certain size with somebody with a certain body type. Mm -hmm. But just because it's in your size, if you're body isn't it's different right that cut might not look good on you or it might not fit you the same right I think these are things that we don't always rationally think about when we're going shopping yeah you know it's like well I wear a size x whatever you know that size is and I try this on and it doesn't fit well you know what maybe it's because it was cut smaller than what you usually wear or maybe it was cut bigger than what you usually wear. Or maybe the style isn't right for your particular body type. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, there's so many factors that go in. I totally. mean, every day, there's just so many factors that go into I mean, even when getting dressed and leaving the house. Right? Like, you know, <laughs> try on something and it's like, okay, maybe if you're feeling a little bloated today or you're trying on clothes right after you ate. Or versus not, right? Like those are just going to feel different. And that is difficult to try and try and close like that when our body changes so much (laughs) throughout the day. But to kind of like all these factors, like you said, go into it. And especially I really think like women's sizing in like clothes is like the biggest scam ever. Um, And not just because it makes us feel bad, but because it makes it very difficult to buy clothes online and just like in general. But I've seen you don't it. need, even if it's in different countries, that's a whole, I mean, that's a whole yeah. other ball game because different country sizes mm. are different. So there's standard size. I don't know. I don't even know what a standard size is, but let's say 10, a standard mm. size 10 in the UK is not a standard size 10 mm-hmm. in the U S which is not a standard size 10 in Mexico. Because I've tried right? to buy clothes in all three places and it's like right? not standard. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. And, and then forget like, forget Asia. <laughs> it's like a really weird concept, I think, especially, I mean, probably in other countries here or other countries as well. But here, especially because I feel like men's clothing, especially like think about pants, is like the inseam length versus like the measurement on the waist. And so, like, yes, they sell different cuts, but it's easier to be like, okay, well, this is how long my leg is, right? Like, this is how, you know, the circumference of my waist. So it's easier to, like, get kind of a basis. But our clothes are like, well, here's a six. And last year, it was a different measurement than it is this year, but we're not going to tell you that. And, you know, or just it's a different cut, like you said, different store. Like, 
it's kind of like a toss up if you're walking into a new store and you're not really familiar with what their like system is. And even if you are, it changes, you know? Yeah. Agreed. Men's clothes are so much easier. So much easier. (laughs) 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 Too much. Well, I think we have covered, we've covered a lot. And I, and I think the things that we've talked about today are, really so important because again it's something that not only do a lot of individual women focus on but society focuses on size all the time time. and then you have and then you know with the internet and you have just people it's like some of the things that I have read on posts with people fat shaming and just different types of shaming it's It's, would you say that in person or do you just feel like under cover of anonymity that you can just say whatever crap comes to your head and throw it on a post and don't understand that there's a person on the other Uh side of that post who doesn't need to hear your opinion I mean you know, because yeah. there's a saying, there's a, opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one, right? So, yes. Do we always show our butts? No. So do we always have to share our opinion? No. Right. <laughs> you know, should go back to, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we just, rules. but, you know, so we, we say society, but we forget that society are made up of individual people. And if we all take time to be mindful of our own selves and then mindful of others, I mean, just so many things could be better. We're just not talking about nutrition, weight, anything. Everything could be better (laughs) if we minded ourselves and then, you know, treated others with kindness because we don't know everybody's story, right? We don't know what people are struggling with. Mm-hmm. you know so and and I you know just putting myself out there when I, I lost my dad last year and I got really depressed and I, I gained yeah. some weight you know and I had to deal with that because I was on a trajectory <laughs> on a downward trajectory and then mm-hmm. I went back up but then I also had to look at yeah I need to work through that you know because mm-hmm. the gr- grief is real But I also had to look at um, how, what am I doing with food? Am I using, how am I using food? Mm -hmm. You know, so am I using food as a really good friend to comfort me? Or, you know, am I using it as fuel? As, you know, because food, again, coming back to what we're talking about with relationship to food Mm -hmm. can mean so many different things, right? And they can trigger, food can trigger feelings. Right. And again, using myself as an example, like I ate a dish and it reminded me and I wasn't thinking about it when I was making this dish. But Mm -hmm. once I was eating it, it really made me think of my dad because it's something that he used to make for me. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, it's it's really interesting about what food means, the meaning that we put on food. And then mm-hmm. having to create a good relationship with food, 
which almost sounds like even though, you know, food can trigger things, if we can make it more neutral Mm -hmm. and not put so much meaning on it, that it would be easier just to eat whatever, whenever, as long as we're doing it intuitively and listening to what our body's actually telling us that we need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if people would like to find you so yeah. that, you know, they can start to figure out this whole intuitive eating thing, how can we do that? Yeah. So I am on Instagram and do a lot of um, like free content on there. And so that's at sammyb.nutrition. And then um, that's also my website. So www cmabnutrition.com and yeah that's where you can find me and more information about my services is also on my website and there's some blog posts to kind of get you started and yeah I do a lot of free content because I also want to make this kind of information accessible because I know working with someone isn't always within everyone's means but if you are looking for someone to kind of help guide you through and work with you through this process I do work with clients one-on-one as well. Okay. And then you're Sammy with two M's, right? Yes. And an I. Yes. And an I. Okay. So Sammy B, Sammy B, is it dot nutrition? Or just on Sammy Instagram. B? Yeah. On Instagram. Sammy B dot nutrition on Instagram. And then Sammy B nutrition.com. Yep. Got to make sure we get that right. Cause those dots make a difference. They do. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being here. I feel like I've learned something about, you know, just really paying attention to what my body's telling me. And I hope the audience has learned some stuff too. So it's really been a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.